podcast. For this podcast, we're going to be doing a review of the year 2014. So let's do a quick introduction. Um, I'll go first. I'm Jill Astley. I'm the CFO. Our comics editor, Lillian. I'm Lillian. I'm our comics editor. And then actually all three of us in the editorial team are hanging out at my dad's house right yeah, now. Yeah, it's great. Lexington, Massachusetts for the holidays. Uh, I'm Rebecca. I'm the audio editor. I'm Leanne. I'm the prose editor. And I guess that leaves me. Lisa, the web designer and graphic designer. We're actually really happy to have Lisa this time because Lisa's been a really integral part of our company since almost nearly the beginning. Like definitely before Sparkler launched, she redesigned the Chromatic Press website and she, we've never managed to find a time where she was available for the podcast. So she's been kind of our silent angel. <laughs> <laughs> not getting enough credit for um just sneaks in there makes everything better sneaks away <laughs> and does it so quickly that's, too that's, I mean, that's what i like to do talking about some some upgrades we're planning on making to the site before we got on this podcast and we're like we so we've got these ideas i don't know how hard they're going to be to implement and lisa's like Re- reboot the staging site and they'd already been implemented <laughs> and we're like, you're amazing i don't know what we do without you you might know lisa from her uh blog curiosity she reviews Spilled the K. The K. Yeah. Why don't you explain Curiosity briefly, Lisa? Curiosity is a site that hasn't been updated since sometime in August. <laughs> sadly. Um, that is still it. that is still near and dear to my heart, where someday I might go back to it. Where I just reviewed manga and wrote manga related news and did a little bit of gushing about stuff I liked in the manga world for many years. And through it I got to meet so many amazing people and for that it will always be my baby. That is Curiosity. May it rest in peace or resurrect someday. So 2014, should we talk about world news at all? I'd like to kind of just, by the time this podcast comes out, we'll have our new issue up for January. Issue 18. Issue 18, which is exciting for one thing, because we 18 gotta... issues is a lot of issues. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think it's going to be particularly fun because our January cover last year was the beginning of Dusk and Kalevia. And we had this really awesome cover that Onorobo had done for it. And this month we've got a new awesome Onorobo <laughs> cover for Dusk and Kalevia. So it feels like... It's a really nice sort of bookend to the year that we started with this series, and Dusk and Columbia is not quite over yet, but we've definitely hit a literal climax in the series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Much to Leanne's enjoyment. Oh, yeah. And Columbia is going to be finished in, we're definitely towards the end. I think it might be ending in March. It's got a couple more chapters in it. Like Lillian said, the literal climax. I think a lot of people were reading Columbia. We tentatively build it as boys love, even though it's not, it's kind of a spy novel more than anything, which, but I don't want to be one of those people that it's like, it's not boys love, but because they feel like there's something shameful about boys love, because I really don't think there should be. It's a huge genre full of really amazing things. It's just, it's not really a romance that much. It, romance is an integral part of it, but it's basically a spy, a supernatural spy novel that happens to have these uh, two manifestations of these two guys. One represents hope, one represents fear, and they have an explosive relationship, and it exploded in the bedroom last <laughs> month, and it was really great, and it was everything that I wanted it to be and more. And So it's actually kind of a nice metaphor for 2014 as well, which I also thought was sort of a year... And I, I mean this on a global level of, like, both both hope and despair. I mean, this, this has been, you know, like, my, my reaction there? to New Year's Eve this year was, like, fuck 2014. We're moving oh, on to better stuff. Everyone year. I've talked um. to on both a, on both a world level and on a personal level, all I see is fuck 2014. And everybody's blogs, everybody's everything. And, like, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> I, thought, I thought 2014 was great. Year for Sparkler. Like, you, had, I, you had a good 2014, Lisa? 
2014 was like my best year in ages. And oh, great! Good. I'm glad all somebody I, had time. I all I want for 2015 is just for t- for 2014 to carry over. Like that's all I want. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I feel like by the end of the year, I'm I'm getting to the places that I wanted to be nine months ago. Mm-hmm. Like progress is being made, and we just need to keep it going. Keep keep that wheel turning. <laughs> but from like a personal perspective, as comics editor for Sparkler. I'm really happy with the stuff that we did this year. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, we finished up Offbeat, which was 10 years in the making. That was a huge accomplishment for Jen Quick. And I was really happy to kind of see that through to its conclusion and have people be so excited about it. We started a new series with Jen Quick, which yeah. <laughs> I'm just as excited about. And at the rate she's going right now, we're going to have copies of that ready by TCAF, if we're lucky. Yeah. Um, and, and onward and upward. We started Windrose with Studio Kosen, who are terrific to work with. And that series is just, (laughs) it's knocking me out of the park so far. I mean, I expected it to be good because, like, I've followed Kosen for a long time now. But it's really just up the ante on sort of everything that I hoped it would be. And I'm hoping that it seems like everybody's enjoying it as much as I am. But I have to say, like, the thing that really took me by surprise was how great our short stories were this year. So, I mean, we've always thought of short stories as being a little bit of, like, a filler for the magazine of, like, well, it's going to be mostly series, but we'll do shorts occasionally. And kind of on a whim, we started picking stuff up at the beginning of last year, starting with... Denise Schroeder and the first Before You Go story and then followed pretty quickly thereafter with Dinner Dits from Alexis Cook. And like those came in as pitches over the transom. They were part of our submissions process. And we did very, I did very little editorial work with those stories. (laughs) I kind of just took them and like let them run with it. Did a script edit and like made sure everything came out right in the back end. A little more with Dinner Dits than Before You Go because I had a little more time on that one. And they both just really knocked me away with yeah. like how strong they were, which is why we've done a second short from both of them. So a sequel mm-hmm. to Before You Go, Before You Go, Halfway There. And then Denise's, sorry, Alexis's new story, Four Piece, which is just terrific. It's yeah. really, it's fun to work with people who are so inventive. They're doing things that are, they fit really nicely into the context of the magazine overall, but they each feel really different from each other. So, <laughs> And I, I don't think it can be understated how difficult a good short story yeah. is. Like, oh, <laughs> short God. story is probably the hardest format to work in. And especially when you're talking comics and you're like, hey, can you tell a beginning, middle, and end and have a point and have an emotional climax in 30 pages like yeah. of comics? <laughs> they both did such a great job with that. Part of the reason we never thought of shorts being as big a part of the magazine as they've become is because I wasn't convinced we were going to find enough good ones. I've read so few short stories in shoujo magazines over the years mm-hmm. that really stayed with me. There have mm-hmm. been a couple, and they're usually by sort of the masters. And same thing with, like, Seitono Mizushiro, who... The longer she goes, the worse her comics get. (laughs) So, like, sometimes she does stuff. One volume lady. (laughs) Yeah, basically. With the exception being The Quartered Mouse Dreams of Cheese, the sequel to that was unbelievable. But that almost is a standalone volume in and of itself. So, yeah, yeah, anyway. (laughs) The shoujo mangaka who have managed short stories are usually like a couple Fumiyoshi Naga ones, a couple, you know, from this other big mangaka. They got it a couple times out of the many times they tried. These like manga veterans and masters. So picking shorts out of the open submissions and then being so amazing was just like by a a couple of like girls in their twenties being like so goddamn talented. Yeah, and we think we should mention kaiju too because they came along later. Kaiju. So like there's there's the story about that one. I actually have a story about halfway there as well at some point which I think we should work into this podcast because I don't know when else I'm going to tell it (laughs) so Ring of Saturn I mentioned this on our forum is actually kind of a spin-off from a longer series that Kaiju pitched to us we didn't really have the budget or the space in the magazine at the time to kind of pick up the full 
series, and I liked it, but I wasn't 100% sold on it. So I was like, throw us some short story ideas. Maybe something that would be like a spin-off of it, or or like a pilot that could kind of introduce the series, that it stands alone, but it's not, you know, it has some of the characters maybe. Within like a week, they had this really <laughs> fast turnaround and came up with three absolutely amazing ideas that I had a really hard time choosing between. One of them, I actually, I kind of sent them back to, to Becca. I was like... So I don't think I want to do this as a comic, but I think it'd make a really good audio drama. <laughs> and so we ended up going with Ring of Saturn as our test for them. Again, it just completely blew me away. Like, it's really difficult to do music comics. And mm. we get a lot of pitches of, like, so-and-so starts a pop band and blah, blah, blah. Like, that's obviously a common thing that shows up in, in comics, and particularly manga. But I think it's very difficult to pull it off and to make a visual silent medium as compelling as music actually is. There's a few artists out there who can do it really well. Like Beck is actually, that's a <laughs> yeah. great comic for mm -hmm. visualizing the experience of being at a live concert. And so I asked Kaiju to send me a couple of test pages of like, what's it look like when Miriam's playing her piano? What's this emotional scene look like? And <laughs> they sent me these like rough pencils and I was like, sold, <laughs> let's do it, let's do it. So that's been great. I'm really, really happy with how that came out. And they're doing something completely different with <laughs> Maho Jose Chimaka. So they're like, so by the way, we've got this magical woman story. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> a magical woman of color? Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> she failed her challenge as a teenager and now has to try it again 15 years later as like a 30-something? Yes. <laughs> so great. It's so interesting to kind of work with people who have such diverse talent within such a short amount of time. A common thing that I used to get when talking to people doing submissions back in the Tokyo Pop days or doing portfolio reviews or like young creators in general is like, I've got this one precious idea and like, I'm nervous about sharing it with the world because it's driven by the muses and it's so like, blah, blah, blah. It's my perfect special, you know, snowflake idea. And it's like, if you want to be a professional storyteller, if you want to do this in a professional way, I think you need to constantly be having ideas. Yeah. It's that constant flow and the ability to say, I have an opportunity to tell a story. This is a story I think is going to fit for this. And yeah. so have that kind of backlog. And again, I live in Hollywood and I, I'm friends with a lot of screenwriters and you talk to people about going into a pitch and it's like, you pitch them whatever the next Batman script or like your concept for a Batman movie and they're like well that sounds good what else are you working on and you have to kind of sit there on the fly and be like what else can I sell these people <laughs> yeah <laughs> which sounds really crass and commercial but that's how you stay alive and engaged as a creative professional is to mm -hmm. always have something on the back burner that you could throw out there to be like a real working artist because right. like you can right. definitely do these isolated pieces and I think this is where prose is a little different from comics because mm -hmm. there are people they are novelists and they write one book every five years and it's a bestseller right, or whatever right. but if you look at the people who are really successful novelists at the same time it's like Stephen King and yeah. Lee Child and Crichton yeah. and these I mean Crichton didn't do quite as many like volume compared to some of these other right. guys but they were churning out a lot, like, <laughs> And all not the time. churning out crap. I mean, no. like, say what you want about Stephen King. Like, that guy writes a novel a year, and they're all consistently yeah. pretty good. Oh, that dude is... So, <laughs> he is king, really. You could just tell. I'm, I'm actually listening to the Dark Tower series as an audiobook right now, which is, like, this weird conglomeration of everything else he's ever written kind of shoved into kind of one <laughs> shared universe, which is fascinating. You've been reading like, too much glam. <laughs> <laughs> I am 100% sure that Stephen King would totally dig Clamp. Yeah. <laughs> if 
he hasn't read it. I'm actually pretty sure that he is a comics reader. I know that he's yeah. a comics reader. And I think that he's probably read some manga. Yeah. I would not be at all surprised if he digs Clamp. But anyway, yeah, you just really get a sense of how much is going on in this guy's brain at any given time. And you have that opportunity to tell that story and... I really admire that about people. This is coming from me as an editor, too. I am not a writer. I will be the first to say, like, <laughs> the reason why I'm so impressed with these people is because I don't have that talent. Um, <laughs> my talent is to read stuff and to think about how it fits into the larger sphere of content and to read everything else out there. So Jen Quick and I talk about this, uh, particularly in regards to Gatesmith. I try and keep up on, like, what else is going on in sort of the Western, old Western comics genre right now so wild, I'm like sure wild that we're west not, like wild west yeah <laughs> not western as like contrast to the manga world yeah but western as in the geographic location and, and style so that she doesn't have to yeah i see my job as the editor to kind of oversee that process and make sure that she's not doing something that somebody else has done already mm -hmm. and making sure that she's continuing to be as innovative as she usually is which she makes that really easy because she's <laughs> gen quick mm -hmm. but i'm not going to write that book for her because i'm not a writer and that's I've talked a lot now. I'm gonna shut up. Well, I don't want to deviate. <laughs> I don't want to deviate. This is too a great far. year for comics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 2015 is gonna be awesome. <laughs> I want to stay on the the topic of 2014 versus 2015, but yeah. this has come up a lot recently because Ink Blazers recently announced that they were shutting down, and this right. is a very relevant thing for the transition between 2014 and 2015. Yeah. In that Ink Blazers was one of these big sites that was actually paying creators for the content that they were making. It was based on popularity, so they weren't getting paid for pages so much as they had this big network and the things that were seeing the most views they kind of invited to be premier artists they had to turn out a certain number of pages a month which i think was somewhere like 15 or 16 minimum some of it would go behind a paywall part of a membership plan etc and they would get paid but they called it almost like the crowdsourced popularity you'd get mm -hmm. paid based on your page views which sort of makes sense to a point but i don't know how much of an editorial hand they had in it i mean mm -hmm. maybe some of the later stuff they did but that wasn't really the purpose of them they were trying to help monetize stuff that people were already doing and when Inkblazers announced that they were going to shut down and people were discussing this whole thing about the landscape for comic artists online, and the role of the publisher is something that came up and has been coming up on and off. I was at a dinner party a couple of years ago where people were saying publishers are becoming obsolete. And I was just like, that is very short-sighted, I think, <laughs> mm -hmm. because just because publishers are no longer necessary to put your work out there... Mm -hmm because of self-publishing online, and you can be very successful, there are so many pieces outside of the actual artistic point of building a readership that you can, in theory, do it all yourself, but most people really don't want to. It's mm -hmm. a huge time suck. It can also be a huge money suck, just in terms of, like, marketing expenses and stuff. But, like, the few people out there who have managed to make it and are, like, full-time webcomic artists aren't usually working alone. They usually have a couple people helping them with mm -hmm. marketing for website and that kind of stuff. I remember even Megatokyo. Do you remember? Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> you guys are probably familiar with Megatokyo because it's one of the oldest and most successful webcomics. And it's still around. And it's still around. Oh my god. <laughs> in when it was, I don't want to say the peak of its popularity, but like 2002 when it was big, but still there weren't that many webcomics that could compete with it. Right. It was so like, it was like that and Penny, Penny Arcade. Penny Arcade, yeah. 8-Bit Theater. There were a couple like right. big comics. Megatokyo was the closest to a manga. We met those guys at a con and it was like a group of them. Fred Schott was in, mm -hmm. running the whole thing and the guy who, oh my god, I can't think of his name. He was Largo in the comic. Oh, I met him. I feel so terrible. He was a really nice guy. Dude, it was like 12 years ago. Yeah. I said Fred Schott. That's not even his no, last Fred name. Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> Say, all right. 
I think he left shortly after that. I don't know. He, like, they were kind of shifting around their team. But it was like eight of them. Like mm-hmm. they were a group. And one guy is like, oh, you know, I run the forums and I run the marketing level. And right. some of them had shown up in the comic as small characters. But right, they were right. all his friends who were helping him run it. Same thing with like Homestar Runner, how they had like offices for Homestar mm-hmm. Runner. And I just assumed it was somebody in a basement. Mm-hmm. But it was like an entire family was working together on Homestar. So the ones that are successful aren't usually successful on their own. They did all that stuff themselves to a point and then they had to get help and that's mm-hmm. kind of what a publisher is supposed to do that- I'd say too that like the other thing that I think people I'm sad about the demise of Inkblazers yeah. on many levels but at the same time I feel like it's a little bit of an advocate for kind of our style of things which is more curated so like I think a job of a publisher is to curate content it's that not too, just to yeah. kind of have everything out there and aggregate it but to actually provide the filter and say this is the stuff that we think is really special and so to kind of take that pool and narrow it down And in the non-comics world, things like Netflix. Mm -hmm. Um, Netflix has a crap ton of content on it, but the stuff that they pay to do original series on is very carefully curated. And it's Mm -hmm. been a huge success because of it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a lot of things out there these days. Even something like Funny or Die. Funny Mm -hmm. or Die is a bit of a a content aggregator, but also it's very heavily produced. And you know that if you go to Funny or Die, you're going to get this kind of web video experience that Mm -hmm. has this kind of talent behind it. Mm -hmm. Or Frederator on kind of the animation side. Mm -hmm. There's clearly, the internet allows everything to just go up and exist, which is an amazing experience, but... And really valuable. And very valuable. But now is the time for selectivity to kind of come back again in different ways. And I definitely know that especially critics and normies to a point and like, you know, the non-deeply super embedded in industry slat or fandom people, they come in and they say, I don't know what to read anymore. And you'll see a lot of fairly mainstream or really mainstream comic review sites that they're like, we do not review web comics, period. Mm-hmm. Now, I know part of the reason they have a policy like that is because otherwise they'll get flooded every hour by people saying, please review my web comic. Mm-hmm. But what I love about io9 mm-hmm. is that they occasionally take a web comic they think is really great and they do a big article on it and mm-hmm. help get them some traffic and help get it out there because people are so intimidated by web comics mm-hmm. that they won't talk about them at all because mm-hmm. they're like I don't want to open that can of worms and it's like no no the, the can of worms is beautiful let's let's open it but I understand <laughs> that like it's difficult there needs to be kind of a process and that's mm-hmm. part of what we've been trying to do and we're not the only ones we're not the only publishers no. trying to do this there are a lot of other indie presses we're moving in we all are kind of good and bad at different things I think we are different a little bit in that we have a very targeted audience in a way that not everybody else does that we are specifically looking for people who want stuff that would appeal generally to women older teen and up i think we have an unusual mix of content as well that so too. like i stalk a lot of other indie book publishers who are kind of in the fandom space who mm-hmm. definitely have like a female audience probably yeah. kind of a queer audience often coming from kind of a fan fiction background but they're all just pros yeah and they're mostly non-illustrated pros so mm-hmm. i think the fact that we have comics audio and pros particularly the audio side nobody's doing that so <laughs> no. That's what makes it a hard sell. But we're going to get there. I mean, I yeah. think from the audio perspective, this was this was the year of Awake. Well, Awake and... was good, which surprised me. <laughs> it didn't surprise the rest of us. No, I know. That's so. terrible. That's just me being like the insecure creative type because um, part of the whole thing is that because the editing and directing process that goes into the audio stuff is so intense, I, it ends up being my project a little more than it is for Lillian or yeah. for Leanne just because, you know, I couldn't just sit back and be an editor. I had to go through and choose the best take out of 15 takes for every single thing. So there was a lot of my own creative process going into it. So you get a little bit of that. 
I'm insane because this project is driving me insane a little bit more. You can't well, also, step back the same way. You were one of the main creators of the original story as well. That, that you were. That too. You were it's like uh, you know how Christopher Nolan writes half his own scripts and stuff. There are a lot of directors who get very involved in the writing process, and Rebecca was very, very involved <laughs> in this. So Awake was her baby in many senses. Yeah, Awake was kind of my baby. But but uh, <laughs> it's a really high barrier of entry for people their their willingness to try audio because not many people are doing that. It has the potential to be us doing it in a way that nobody else is so we can be kind of one of the first because we're not the first by oh, any stretch yeah. of the imagination. And I wouldn't want to be the first and I'm no. super glad that things like uh, Night, Night Vale, vale. Night yeah. vale is out there getting people to listen to audio and, and thrilling adventure hour. <laughs> Yeah, and Serial and some of these these big um, yeah. kind of audio thing going on right now. But at the same time, because there's not an existing audience that you can just reach out to, audio was always the department where you said, okay, this is the one that it's going to either do really horribly or really well. Or it might fluctuate between those two things. Either yeah. nobody's listening or we're the only ones doing this one particular thing. So therefore we have the entire audience of mm-hmm. people who would be interested in this format. And there, there are definitely, I don't want to say we're the only ones because there are definitely. No, but like, I'm saying compared, of, compared and... to the formats of prose and comics. Yeah, it's a lot much, of people out much there doing smaller. Webcomics, so like yeah. our format's a little different and a kind of our process is a little different. But essentially mm-hmm. there's other things that replicate that. And there's mm-hmm. nobody who's really doing exactly what we're mm-hmm. doing with the audio stuff. Yeah, and, and which is exciting. Yeah, is gonna be great. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> no, I'm really excited for the new one. I won't talk about that yet yeah. because we're not talking about looking forward yet. But uh, Awake, I'm so thrilled with Awake. I love mm-hmm. Awake. Yeah. I think it turned out really well. And I mean, I just think that on a personal level, I sort of learned how to do things I hadn't really known how to do before. And I'm always, I'm, I'm always learning more because you know, when it comes to stuff that I'm doing, I don't have a real professional background. I, I've been sort of teaching myself everything, and it's going on forums. And trying to figure out all these technical things that, that you do and, and trying to figure out a way to make my sound studio mobile so we can actually record where the actors are and everything. There's There's been so much to it and it's been this <laughs> massive, massive learning experience for me, which I guess doesn't sound super professional, but I, I am happy with the outcome. Any sort of creative endeavor is an apprenticeship process. I've been a comic book editor for almost 11 years now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all I knew about comics when I joined Tokyo Pop was what I liked. Yeah. So I had no idea how the actual sort of what goes into the sauce. Yeah, basically. yeah. It's just, yeah, you're, you're coming to this process a little later than kind of the rest of us. <laughs> and you're doing a great job on the way. So oh, I don't I think anyone would that. listen to that and think that this was your training wheels if we want to well Tokyo Demons way. was the training wheels that's true that's true. that was the real oh, yeah. I mean it's yeah. not like yeah. I came to this doing nothing but the right. thing is and, and I'm doing this again with the new series mm. everything I do is very different from the last one so I had mm. a lot of experience dealing with audio mm-hmm. But when I started off, you know, and if you listen to the very beginning of Tokyo Demon's audiobook, you can hear that there are technical problems I don't do anymore, that there are acting problems, equipment problems, just things that were very rough at the beginning of that, and they got better over the course of Tokyo Demon's. And then by the time I got to Awake, I, well, I was, first of all, in a p- place to actually cast it with a combination of professional actors and, and more uh, casual actors, but generally people who had auditioned and I had a choice because you know with Tokyo Demons it was like which of our friends can we sucker into this and they did a great job but you know they were amateurs so there there are places where it's rougher I, I all of a sudden go from that to working with somebody like Riel who played Hina and it's just like damn yeah, you know it's like stage come out of cryogenic sleep and then uh, have, give me this monologue about how much you love your frozen fiance <laughs> and it's just like the most beautiful thing for your fiance, 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 fiance. <laughs> 
And, you know, it's just fucking beautiful. <laughs> and I will say that, like, the feedback on Awake was really good. People got really, really into that. And that's what we wanted yeah, to we make wanted you guys to, cry. <laughs> we wanted to make you yeah. guys throw things. Yeah. Awake has a little bit more of an emotional roller coaster than a lot. All the stuff we publish is pretty emotional. That That's the core of everything that we want. I think the thing about Awake is that it probably has the easiest elevator pitch of anything that we do. Yeah, oh, definitely. absolutely. Yeah. Even though the format, I think, is a little more, I wouldn't say confusing to people, but a little less obvious to people, maybe. It's the one where I can be like, it's a science fiction series about people on a space cruiser, mm -hmm. and they find a dead body and have to figure out what's going on with that. And people are pretty instantly intrigued by that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and then you throw all this emotional shit at them, and it's oh, like yeah. just a bazillion times better. So... <laughs> I love that that's one of the hooks that we can have for the company. Is, yeah. Is something as unique as that. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah, and there were a lot of kids who said, I never listened to anything like this before, and yeah. it took me a while. There were a lot of people who jumped in around chapter 9, 10, because their friends were like, no, you have to listen to it. I know you don't listen to this <laughs> stuff, but you have to try it. Again, a high barrier of entry. Like, a lot of people don't want to try something that they have no idea. I don't want to go on that ride because I don't know if I'm going to like it. I don't know if it's going to be worth the trouble, even though it seems silly because you can just click it and stream it. When it comes to what you listen to or read or watch for fun, mm -hmm. like if it's not instantly seem really appealing to you, why wouldn't you move on to the next Yeah, and thing, I, I do know? think like, part of it is just literally, I need headphones. Yeah, that's you know, I think that, Or in my case, like I work at my computer a lot mm -hmm. and so I can't work at my computer and listen to something that has words. Yeah. I listen to books on tape when I'm cooking or when I'm mm -hmm. cleaning, which yeah. means that they're on my phone and there's mm -hmm. like just one little extra step involved with something <laughs> yeah, going exactly. from a streaming website to my phone so that yeah. I can listen to it. And, and we're, we're working and on yeah. doing some accessibility stuff with the audio that will hopefully make it easier for people. But Yeah, you know. the big audience ended up being artists. They were constantly listening to these <laughs> things while they're drawing right. or painting all day. And that also happened with Tokyo Demons. It was like a combination of artists and people doing their dishes yeah. <laughs> that mm -hmm. wanted something to listen to or long commutes. Or... I listened to a lot of Awake while I was knitting. I, I did <laughs> a big knitting project at one point and blew through like probably six episodes in a row. <laughs> so. That is the thing. You can listen to it in like one afternoon, which kind of kills me because it took a solid year of work <laughs> to do it. Yeah. yeah just... I think clocked in a little over three hours, three, three, three and a half hours, I think, for the actual show. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like an hour and a half of bonus material or something. Oh, so the way to think about that, though, is that that's about how much time goes into making a movie that that's long. It's yeah, true. So. And and movies have crews. And this just <laughs> yeah. has me yeah. <laughs> and Leah. And Leah, who's wonderful. Yeah. Uh, my assistant is like the greatest what person in the universe. start with you? Like halfway through, maybe? Chapter yeah. five, She's six, taking somewhere? more of a role in the audio department. She's also our production assistant. She's just a really great part of our extended staff. We have a really nice extended staff. Carolyn, Leah, Kat, uh, our new intern, Pachi. Like, it's just, <laughs> we have a, our staff is a lot bigger now. Most people are super part-time. Oh, yeah. But when we started, it was just the four of us. And Lisa jumped in pretty damn fast, I gotta say. Yeah. That's partially why we succeeded. We're like, we really need somebody who's better on the website. Yeah. <laughs> and Lisa has been... And better on the design side. So yeah. this is what I've been saying all along, is like, if it looks like crap, it's because I designed it. If it looks good, it's because Lisa designed it. <laughs> okay, so. if you recall, I had to do a little bit of design work at the very... I, I set up our first Tumblr page, and it was the worst. No one need... Even when I'm talking about Don't design stuff, I would like... Yeah, nobody looked that up. It's terrible the worst thing ever. I think it was up for like two hours. <laughs> so I had to change it. It's the most hideous thing you've ever seen in your life. But uh, um, yeah, ha having uh, visuals that actually look good is very important to us. But our, our, our core staff, like our original four people had some trouble with that. So, mm -hmm. you know. I learned how to lay out novels in InDesign this year. That was very exciting. Oh, so. well, part, yeah. of, part of having a company is learning everything. Like, you have yeah, to learn 
everything. It's interesting you bring up the layout of the novels because that was the other big movement that we did that um, Mm -hmm. our prose is going into paperbacks. This was something that we didn't expect in the beginning. We always wanted to be a primarily digital company and we are. That's how we first distribute (laughs) our information. We believe in the digital format. We love ebooks. Prince was always going to be a premium and we always knew that the long comic series were almost certainly going to go to print because we knew that's how a lot of people read comics. That's the industry we worked in, print There's comics. There's much more of a value add for comics and print than I think there is yeah. in the prose a lot of the time. Yeah, exactly. But we've discovered, so we did a bunch of the prose series, and Gauntlet is the example that I'm going to use here, because Gauntlet was the first prose novel that we had that began and ended in Sparkler. It started in our first issue and it wrapped up in the summer, May or June, somewhere yeah. in there. And then we ran a Kickstarter to help fund the uh, the paperback. And um, we discovered in the process of making this paperback that we actually could do a different printing model that was closer to print on demand for some of the prose things. And therefore, we can put a lot more prose into print than we thought we could. Because when we started doing it, Toki Demons was in print. And then also once Gauntlet went in print, we saw how excited people got mm-hmm. about having prose in print, which we thought with the rise of ebooks mm-hmm. might not be the case anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was always an issue. Like, we can't just come up with thousands of dollars for a print run of every book that we run. Not especially. only that, like, I mean, our dis- distribution's out of, like, Becca's garage. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, we just don't have the space to, like, yeah, that's stock. Yeah, and these books <laughs> are, like... A number of, of print mm-hmm. copies of things. If you compare something like <laughs> Offbeat Volume 3 to Tokyo Demons Volume 2, I mean, yeah. like, we can store a lot more Offbeat 3 and we can ship them farther <laughs> and everything. The prose gets really big. Particularly Tokyo Demons. It's literally like three times the book that Offbeat is. (laughs) Certain people just can't stop writing words. I was teasing Leanne over dinner about a 60,000 word chapter that she handed for me to copy edit at one point and I like cried. It wasn't it wasn't 60,000 but it was long. Dude, oh man. Microsoft Word said it was 60,000. Really? I had, I had to copy edit the entire second half of that novel in like a weekend. It was just like, it wouldn't end. It's a good thing you're so goddamn entertaining. I know. No, I had a lot of fun with that really because I hadn't, I hadn't read it all in, in a row. Like, you know, because yeah. we, we edit the, ch- the, the chapters as they come out and a lot of times when I have a big audio deadline, it's really hard for me to do the editing. So we pass it to Lillian right. or we pass it to Jill or somebody. So I'd kind of like read them out of order. And I read these ones when I was sleep deprived and these ones when I wasn't. <laughs> the, the classic story is that there was one point when Leanne had this part. One, one of the parts no, with a lot was, of sex in it. No, it was when Kyoshi gets high and starts talking about his dick a lot. Yeah, yeah. Where <laughs> Leanne actually was slept over at my house and was working. And I eventually went to sleep. And at about three in the morning, she comes into where I'm sleeping, into my bed room and says can you come edit the chapter and I go I roll over and I'm like Ugh. and you're like okay you're too tired I'll just post it <laughs> knowing she would have cut it yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Hannah's very sneaky yeah well I, I do say that if anybody had come over the transom with the pitch for Tokyo Demons I would tell them get the hell out of my office <laughs> It's very unwieldy. And we also, because Tokyo Demons started before Sparkler, and before we'd even really thought about making Sparkler, it was designed to be different. Yeah. It was supposed to be longer. It was stuck in these, we're going to do eight chapters and they're going to be really fat. And, and they had to stay to eight chapters because there was a certain level of parallel between the books that we wanted. There was a certain length. There were also flashback scenes in the beginning of every chapter, and I had sort of a certain number of them. So once we moved to Sparkler, I was like, eh, this doesn't really fit in the format, but we have to find a way to fit in the format. And then also everybody was really overloaded with work so Rebecca who used to edit it really heavily couldn't get as involved and then we brought in Lillian which was great and then we brought in Jill which was great and even Lisa read Toki Demons back in the day so I'll send pictures to everyone and be like can I do this mostly it's is this part with Toya unacceptably horrifying <laughs> <laughs> 
Because I'm really it's kind of like the Leanne reality check. It's like, yeah. is this okay? Am I going too far? Well, part of it is that my my answer is yes. You're going too far. What the hell is wrong with you? And my answer is usually like, no, I think we can get away. Yeah. With so it. like, I, I'm so. I'm too biased. I'm 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 too much of a wimp about some of these like the edgier things that Leanne wants to do. So that's when we have to pass it off yeah, to Lillian, who opinion. has like the the more realistic view of what's okay and what's not. Or we also worse morals. Let's put it that way. <laughs> well, I think loser it- standards. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just have like a really, really easy to trigger disgust reflex yeah. where I'm just like, oh, he's horrible. Ew, stop doing this. And I'm like, yes, he's horrible. Yes. <laughs> well, if we look at sort of the female gaze tradition. Suffer, kids. Suffer. Yeah, that, that <laughs> amount, the emotional anguish is pretty deeply embedded into the female gaze, as well as some of the horrifying plot points that we integrated. It's not like these haven't been done before. But it's nice to have a little spectrum of deciding what is or isn't going to make people so disgusted that they might get triggered. And that's what's so great about trigger warnings, that we started using them, I think, in chapter four of book two or something, when things start getting really bad and, like, Mm -hmm. one character tries to commit suicide fairly graphically. And it was in chapter uh, six of book one where... With the... We triggered the audio early, yeah. actually, because there was a scene where somebody gets strapped down and injected with something, and it's like... It's it was intense. It was intense, but in <laughs> yeah. the audio, it was actually really quite horrifying, yeah. m- like more so than right. in the prose. So we start. We did a trigger warning it's there. Dallas right. Turner. Becca and our actors. <laughs> yeah, Dallas Turner. Well, he's he was one of our only pros. <laughs> yeah, he's, on he's really Demons, good. So we gave and, him all uh, the hard parts. Yeah, that's why Kyoshi cries a lot, because he could take it. Yeah, he... he was really great at crying on command and there was mm-hmm. a lot of that and another stage actor we get to do audio it's always so much fun because they get really like emphatic and they flail the, their arms around and yeah. get all excited and, and then no you one see that except Becca and Leanne <laughs> <laughs> I don't even really I have to look down because I get too influenced if I watch people act I always have to look look away from them when I'm actually doing it but you kind of catch it out of the corner of your eye it's like you're doing something elaborate or well, he'd do things like wear a hat and then pull it off his head and clutch it to his chest when he was really excited <laughs> and being like oh my god she sent me a letter and I'm like oh my god this is so cute I wish we had like a, a video going we, had, we went to his play and it was so great yeah I went to a play where he had to pretend to be a 16 year old meth head and it was like <laughs> it was wonderful it was really no it was, it was like, on that's, ecstasy that's sorry training for like yeah yeah exactly. no it actually was <laughs> go another drugged up teenager oh so um, terrible should we talk a little bit about 2015 uh, do we want to talk let, to, like, let's talk to Jill and Lisa, and Lisa. Jill. sorry we've oh. been monopolizing it that too I learned how to do taxes. I just helped out here and there. Being a Canadian company that has a bunch of people in America and an American bank account. Yeah. <laughs> this year is going to be even worse. It's going to be fun. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jill has to do all the boring shit. I'm sorry. I love you. I always get to just see all the pictures and read everything before they go up and be like, this looks good. It looks good too. So, you know, that's the extent of my like input. People who don't know. I feel yeah. like that's one of Jill's greatest contributions is that we're like the three of us are all just going crazy trying to get content on the site and knowing that Jill is there to take care of the newsletter it's just like one less thing we have to worry about every week. <laughs> she, she's also been uh, doing a lot of the editing of the podcast which makes me oh, happy because yeah. I so feel true. very guilty that I'm not taking care of that but uh, audio podcasts is, is like I don't even know how to compare it to a real audio drama. It's like an ant compared to an elephant. So don't worry about it. No, but it's, you know, well, editing audio is just really time consuming. And no matter what kind of audio you're editing, it's just very time consuming. Because the fastest you can go is the 
the pace of the audio. Mm-hmm. And and without fail, you've got to listen to things at least twice, some parts over and over again. You're always, like, like re-listening to things. It just takes an incredibly long time to edit audio. And people who do, like, video editing and even worse animation, I don't know how the mm-hmm. hell you guys do it because audio is just hard enough on its own. So having uh, Jill to kind of uh, help help out with that has been a big it has been really great lisa what was your year for sparkler it was good i think was it good <laughs> it was good yeah trust me i was excited i got to see you know hold a couple books in my hand that i got to do the covers for that's fun with more coming yay i haven't seen tokyo demons 2 or gauntlet yet excited oh really we sh- did we ship those already i thought i shipped them to lisa yeah. I have, i'm we'll gonna check out. as soon we'll as i'm yeah. home if not, you're getting them soon. They look great. That's cool. I just got good. I just got offbeat three, so I'm still happy with that. You just got offbeat three. <laughs> oh, oh my god. god. Sorry. Sorry, Lisa. <laughs> Sometimes the like bonus we get all these pre orders and then we do them, we're like, Yay, it's done and then forgot to send them to creators. Oh <laughs> god. Yeah. No, whenever a new thing launches, I kinda go nuts trying to just get it out there. Lisa did she does pretty much all of our cover design now for like every single series. It's definitely above and beyond my skill set. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, they look so good. Yeah. And I did work on the website, which I'm still doing right now as every as we're on the podcast, because that's what I do. <laughs> Refresh the page. Cover designs has been really fun. I love and am also simultaneously scared to death of stuff that I've done going to print because it's so <laughs> final. I can't sneak on there and fix something and hit refresh before anyone catches it once it goes to print. So sparkler wise, I think that was it. I continue to work from the shadows. TCAF was awesome. I love TCAF. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's a good segue on sort of two fronts. I think one of which is going to be like 2015, I think, is going to be an interesting year from us from a convention perspective. Yeah. We were just talking about TCAF um, before the podcast and like, we're going to have a lot of books by then. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I'm really excited. One thing I, yeah. One thing I didn't bring up about 2014, and I feel bad because I feel like I always skip over it, is Dead Endings. The, the poor book that keeps like sneaking between our topics. Dead Endings is like the shortest thing I think that we published. It ran. But it's in, really good. It's, it's really, really good. It's so good. And yeah. also, it was pretty outside of like offbeat. It was pretty much our most successful ebook. Like, it did mm-hmm. really well once it hit ebook format. Um, it didn't get as much attention while it was serialized, especially since, again, it ran recent. It was like eight chapters or something. It was shorter than most of what we run. Um, I guess maybe offbeat, just like the comics. But it definitely yeah. for prose, it was on the short side. And it was a really great book, and I think it has a lot of value as a complete book. Even though I did think it made a good serial, I think the type of story that it is, people tend to read it in one sitting. Yeah. And Jessica Chavez, who uh, writes it, is a video game localizer who works for Exceed Games. A lot of her friends in the video game industry mm-hmm bought it and read it and gave her feedback and was promoting it. I think the mm-hmm. official, official Axis Twitter was promoting her. And I was like, <laughs> well, my worlds are colliding because she's really a video game person, way less so in comics, even though she's technically ex-Tokyo Pop as yeah. well. But she's been in video games for a long time. And the feedback we got from those people who were like, I don't really read novels anymore, but I fucking plowed through Dead Endings. It was mm-hmm. so compelling. Mm-hmm. She did really great. And we're going to be doing a paperback for that. That was another one that we really weren't sure it was going to be a paperback because it was shorter. It was prose. It wasn't. We just, we didn't run a Kickstarter for it. We're like, oh my God, Dead Endings might be stuck in ebook forever. But now it's definitely going to print. Not only that, we're using Dead Endings as a way to test out how we can make our prose pop even more, that we can make them come out even nicer. We're going to do test some new layout stuff with her because I'm really excited about Dead Endings. Mm-hmm. And we should definitely have that one for TCAF yeah. and everything else. That, oh. That's 
pretty much the next book that's coming out. I'm really excited to have that one in a physical copy. I think it's going to yeah. be nice, you yeah. know. It's a it's, really great novel. Yeah, and the art is lovely, oh, and it's yeah. just, you know. Irene, Irene Flores did the oh, art. Oh, but seriously, so she's good. So Anything that, that can swing back and forth from hilarious to just horrifying yeah. like that yeah. is a good read. I, I talked about this at one point, how, like, I think when we hit probably month four or five of the magazine, how if you clicked on the issue page on our website suddenly there were like a bunch of different covers there and mm -hmm. how that felt to me like a big milestone for the company. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, it wasn't just an issue or two. It's like we'd been there for six months and it mm -hmm. felt like we had some staying power. But I felt like that was the exciting thing in, in 2014 was watching those covers pile yeah. up on the issue page. Mm -hmm. And I feel like 2015, it's going to be watching the spines line up on my bookshelf. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, because now it's, it's Gauntlet, it's Tokyo Demons 2. We're probably going to do a reprint of Tokyo Demons 1 at some point. Yeah. There's going to be Dead Endings. It's all of Offbeat. Gates We're going to get Gates Windrose. soon enough. Yeah, Windrose are both just a couple of chapters away from yeah. having a print edition ready, <laughs> our short stories, so... Yeah, we're talking about um, getting some of those shorts going to print, too, right, you know? in different formats, so... <laughs> yeah, so we, like I feel like 2015 is going to be the year of print, and yeah. then potentially the year of cons. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, and that's still something that we're kind of figuring out, is, like, the right balance of which conventions to go to and kind of what to bring there, and mm -hmm. that's... The con scene, I think, is changing really rapidly right yeah. now, and so it's very difficult to get a read on, so, like... Mm -hmm. I get easy access to San Diego Comic-Con because I'm an industry professional. So, And I get a free badge, and it's like an hour south of Los Angeles. So really easy for me to go there. <laughs> Is it ever going to be worth it for us to have even a table? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah. But maybe WonderCon, maybe mm. YaoiCon, maybe SakuraCon, or like other stuff on the West Coast that we can fill in. Mm, I really want to go back to OhioCon. Yeah, really that, was, that was a really good one. So, OhioCon, um, TCAF. Uh, Kineticon. We're, yeah, we're, we're going, going to Kineticon. We're going to have a 10 by 10 booth this year, and I'm really excited for it. Uh, so, I like our creators individually have been doing a really good job. I know that a bunch of them ended up at, was it Denver Comic Con, I think? Yeah, I think so. It's so, like Kaiju and Denise, and I think, I want to say Alexis, like, ran Maybe. into them as well. I feel like all of our short comics creators had, like, a little <laughs> a lot of them convention with friends. <laughs> yeah. Alexis Cook and Denise Schroeder and Angie Mori. So Angie right. did the range, the short comic for Kalevia. Right, right, right. That's all she's done for us so far. But you're going to so be seeing more of Angie. <laughs> that they were, I feel like they were friends before. They were all at TCAF and they were like yeah. all buddies. And I'm like, oh God, you guys are all so talented. And you hang out. It feels like, you know, the whole fabulous 49ers like origin story yeah, yeah. of Shoujo <laughs> that you see these groups. And again, this comes back to what I was saying earlier about the publishers that people don't create in a vacuum. I mean, right. some of them do, but it's very rare. And that when you want to make lasting change, either in an industry or in a genre or whatever when you can group together a bunch of creators and they can work together to do a mass of stuff mm -hmm. and they're feeding in on each other and I'm seeing that and mm -hmm. also the whole lady community there was an article about 2014 is a great year to be a female fan in the comics industry even though they somehow didn't mention Smile <laughs> the comic which is over a million copies in print or manga at all <laughs> you know there was some criticism of this article but it's true that like women in comics became they got really organized I feel this year that something hit a tipping point mm -hmm. yeah like so. it wasn't just that they were there working hard standing up for themselves they've been there the whole time it's yeah. just mm -hmm. something something in the zeitgeist whether it was the right people the right time the right 
awareness all just sort of kicked in and it became a thing. And also the f- abysmal failure of Gamergate to shut yeah. women up. <laughs> oh, the kind of like all of a sudden Anita Sarkeesian is right. on Colbert and it's like right. now like women in, I mean, uh, video games are obviously not quite our industry, but they're pretty damn close and there's, there's a, lot a lot of overlap. overlap yeah. yeah. So all of a sudden it was like, I felt that women had a space. They were talking mm-hmm. to each other. They were supporting each other. People recognize them as creators. They recognize them as a readership. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, and we had been discussing this earlier, there seems to be this weird separation between sort of mainstream Western comics and manga or manga-inspired stuff. And kind of web comics are also sort of their own thing, although I think they kind of, it straddles both sides. We do feel that even though women, geeky women, are organized and getting mm-hmm. together, we want to bridge that gap a little bit between <laughs> manga and like superhero where there's this chasm that doesn't make any sense to me that why are these big western comic blogs not talking about manga ever and why are Mm -hmm. these otaku never reading batman you know Mm -hmm. like we can like all that stuff they're very different styles and that's Mm -hmm. why also we we say well we're oel manga kind of we're western comics we're mixed you know whatever Mm -hmm. we're really interested in the generation who was raised with manga and Mm spider-man and indie comics like pretty big indie comics like Mm -hmm. scott Scott pilgrim is fairly old now and that's like you know, something that the kids are growing up on now. We're interested in this new style that comes out. We're obviously more manga biased because we all manga industry. We all, I would say we, we lean towards manga style more than superhero style if you want to talk about them as a general. For, for sort of aesthetic reasons, in my case, in the sense of feels, quote unquote, yeah. is like our biggest criteria for Sparkler. And yeah. I think mainstream superhero stuff is usually short on feels. And yeah. <laughs> comparatively, the, yeah. Comparatively, or at least in a different way. Because mm-hmm. the thing about mainstream superhero stuff is everything gets retconned. And so no emotional decision has any lasting impact. I mean, I was a Western comics reader for a long time when I was in middle school, and I kind of gave up on it eventually because I was like, I don't care anymore. Nothing really means anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But because the manga style slash indie style slash webcomic style tends to be single creator driven. So you don't mm-hmm. have yeah. 10 generations of people coming in to reinvent Spider-Man. You right. have one person driving the narrative with various assistants and editorial voices kind of in there. You can really kind of have an impactful story in a very different way. And it, yeah. it creates an emotional structure in a very different way. But it's, um, it's weird and that... And I, I find that more appealing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, no, I agree. Definitely. And, and so. I think that's, if you want to say what defines manga versus superhero comics, that's a really good way of putting yeah. it because it's hard to take a gigantic industry and boil it down to a few talking points. Right. But at the same time, I feel like the fact that the readership doesn't overlap as much as it does. <laughs> yeah. Like when I yeah. talk to these women who really like superhero comics, I'm like, man, I really like more female representation or, you know, there are these two gay characters and I thought it was really interesting and I'm like, haven't you read all of manga? This stuff has been covered. Yeah. 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 Manga's it's out kind there. It's yeah. waiting. Yeah. And, and another thing I think is interesting is the fact yeah. that although superheroes generally don't follow this, there are more Western comics that follow that kind of right. arc, same arc structure True, where there like is the one. The yeah, a lot of, of the yeah. indie stuff, the stuff by Vertigo right. and by uh, yeah. Image yeah. and all those guys. Yeah. yeah, they're all putting out Walking Dead and they're putting and out. And also, yeah, I mean, the success of something like Saga. Saga, yeah. yeah. I think what appeals to me about that is exactly the same stuff that appeals yeah. to manga. So, so people clearly want that. And I mean, right. the, the criticism about superhero comics is clearly not just happened from you know like right. the criticism of superhero comics being constantly retconned and constantly changing creators and everything people have been criticizing that forever yeah. but for some reason they're creating comics that have that same kind of feel to manga but then even when they don't have to they don't yeah i mean obviously they should create more comics like that because i think right. that's a good thing and i think the criticism against superheroes is very very valid it's just that they're still not making that connection 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just women. You give, especially like a younger woman, but this happens even with adults. You give a young woman a shoujo, like a good shoujo, and it blows their fucking mind. They're like, <laughs> and it's like when those young girls got Twilight, and their right. minds were blown. And right, Twilight's right. not good. I mean, I don't right. want to trash it constantly because, like, whatever. It's not like I, it had an important place in the industry, and I think yeah. it meant a lot to a lot of people. But it was just the concept that they it's were like, being catered like to. Twilight, at all. you will fucking love Vampire Night. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! Don't get me. I was in my late twenties to early thirties, and I was so into Vampire Night, and I don't like vampires. It's that good. I'm like a grown woman. Anyway. <laughs> and I feel that when you have stuff like Saga and Sex right. Criminals and these like really big creator owned a lot of them are through image comics right. and the you know or the indie scene that are getting all this recognition in 2014 right. people are saying it's appealing to women people want a new storytelling blah 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 and they don't look at manga it just mm-hmm. confuses me like it's not like manga is a secret right. like mm-hmm. it's been around here for a and long time like, and kids are all reading it yeah. constantly yeah and if you're one of these people who's all like, oh, I don't like things that children or girls read, just go, you know, like, usually there's at least a couple of these, like, seinen that people yeah, kind of like, yeah. oh, I like 20th century boys, and they get on their little, their little tuffet, and <laughs> you imagine a comic reader on a tuffet. Yeah. <laughs> with, with their tea and their pinky in the air being all like, I don't like what all of those girls and gay kids and... <laughs> 14 year olds like I only like mature comics for mature people and then yeah. they well, like 20th century boys yeah and it's like <laughs> have you read 20th century a novel comic that just completely fetishizes childhood God. but at the same time I don't want to bash superhero comics and, and you know and all of this stuff yeah. entirely because people who read manga and they're like I want something a little more adult and there's not a lot of sh- sane inner Jose right. or they're like I want something less zealous or whatever and then I'm like well you know this run on Batman you might really like because right. I think superhero comics are really good at de- adults dealing with pain the way they do it feels it's not just adults but it's like specifically like american and canadian and adults like western adults dealing with and to a point brits you know excalibur was in britain um, <laughs> oh my beloved excalibur. yeah i know we talked about excalibur and we both were really into excalibur yeah. when we were little <laughs> um superhero comics are very good for different reasons it's just this chasm and when people did these best of lists for 2014, right. they wanted to talk about all these single or two creators things, and they're independent and they're appealing to women and blah blah blah, and, and not like, acknowledging manga. Yeah, what? <laughs> ma- yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even manga inspired, because we're yeah. seeing a lot of the creators who follow us and work for us saying like, "I went to school and they told me manga art is not real art, or this is kiddie stuff, or they just turn their nose up at it, or whatever the case." They're like, "Oh, you're lesser up. You're one of those mm-hmm. like geeks, you're one of you those know? Like we- you're a weeaboo. You're yeah. just." You're racist. You're, and it's like they love brushing all of it aside. I understand the weeaboo appropriation racism argument. There are definitely people <laughs> there. Legit. But at the same time, also not acknowledging that manga exists is also kind of racist, right. guys. Like, <laughs> or being like, it's only Miyazaki who can make good anime. Yeah, I mean, it's just like really? you're brushing off an entire really? country's industry. And yeah. in the same way that you shouldn't think that an industry is necessarily representative of the average person in the population. Yeah. That, no, a person in manga is not like a person living in Japan. Just like a person in a Hollywood movie is not like the average American but at the same time there's some people who just brush it off entirely assuming that it's all the same and you're like this is 50 years of a comics industry that is way bigger than ours going yeah. in a million yeah. different directions and you have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah seriously about. like English language comics we're like third in the world of who has the best most developed comics industry. France and Japan better yeah. than us. French yeah. language, Japan's Japanese language. Our ass. Both kick our ass and anyone who tells you different doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah and I mean and I'm not necessarily saying on an artistic level but on a success and permeation Yeah, level. permeating yeah. The, the population and just in terms of the breadth and variety of things that they publish. And the people they appeal to, so it's not this yeah. freaking insular, 
oh, you just saw Guardian of the Galaxy. Good luck trying to find any of those comics. I mean, now they're like Marvel's actually putting out like Guardian of the Galaxy comics, realizing that, hey, it's completely impenetrable for people who got into the movie. <laughs> oh, you can't start here. There's nowhere to start. You have to go go onto Wikipedia and try and find a place right. to start. Or you got to know that nerd who lives down the street and be like, I want to read some Batman, but I don't know what to do. And then he goes on. I totally, some- I totally watched someone who's like wanted to read a whole bunch of Winter Soldier comics after watching the movie. And they're like, where do I start? Good fucking luck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But you, you were mentioning something before about sort of female creators and like conversations between the women in comics creative community. And I wanted to point out that this is a contentious thing that Leanne and I had for a while about our forum. I was like, <laughs> nobody wants to use a fucking forum. It's 2014. That's dumb. Uh, Leanne was like, no, I really want to create this safe space for people to be able to talk to each other about these creative things in a way that's not as instantly viral as the Twitter and the Tumblrs of the world. It's like a place to have those conversations and a little bit of privacy in terms of the internet. And like, it took me a while to really see the value of that. And now I do. And actually, particularly after, so the aftermath of Gamergate and kind of all of this, that mm-hmm. clusterfuck. And I was like, again, if, if that's a service that we can provide as a company that's doing content, I think that's a really interesting opportunity. And I think it's a space that I would like to try to use more in 2015. So like, yeah. definitely when I post new comics chapters, you know, I start the conversation and I'll kind of go in there and add things. I would like to be doing that a lot more in the coming year. And I'm hoping that people, we've got like probably maybe 10 commenters for each series who every time we put a new chapter yeah you know get in there and start having a conversation uh and i hope to kind of drive more people to do that yeah it's a really it's a feature of our site that i wasn't initially convinced on and i'm really happy that we did it that way which is very much the dynamic of our company is that leanne's like let's have this idea and i'm like that sounds dumb and then six (laughs) months later i'm like you were right (laughs) usually after somebody pulls me down and is like, okay, but you can't in- implement it the crazy way that you are. <laughs> Let's do a more reasonable Yeah, it, so. mm. Let's <laughs> do that, but less crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This just happened with our calendar prints, which you'll also be seeing probably by the time this comes out. 2015 Sparkler Couples calendar. Where Leanne's like, I oh. want to do this calendar. Can we have some money for it? And Jill's like, yeah, I guess so. And I was like, yeah, you know, I really like what we did last year. I thought those, the desktop wallpapers came out great, but like, I don't know how much traction it got. Like, if people are going to be really excited about it, Leanne it's like, no, 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 we should do it. We should do it. We got the art in for that. And I was like, fuck it, Leanne. You were so right. Yeah. <laughs> you were so right. <laughs> Let's just say certain people who either read Offbeat or listened to Awake who wished certain things had happened yes. yeah. will be very happy with us. I think everybody will be very happy about everything. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, that's what happens when you go to the fans and you're like, yeah. oh. No, well, yeah, true. that's the thing that we, we ran an informal poll on Facebook and Twitter and we're like, who are your favorite couples? Let's see what you come up with. And yeah. I mean, other than Tori and Colin, which are always kind of the yeah, OTP, given um, Demian and Toivo from Kalevia were the most consistently mentioned. Like, <laughs> yeah. that's the, you read that book, you're like, just have sex! <laughs> <laughs> but in addition, we had, when I started doing it and I had a Tokyo Demon's idea, I was like, I'm going to go do this. And then when I put it out there, everybody was like, three-way, 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 three-way. And I was like, really? All of you want the three-way? And people were like, yes. Like, especially a couple of people. When I was like, okay, I guess we could do an OT3. And they're like, oh, in that case, and flooded me with yeah. all this stuff. Because, you know, we had people who were on this sort of Sachi and ISA side. We had the people who were on the Sachi, Sachi and Kato, Kato side. side. And then when it was suggested that we didn't have to stick to two, yeah. they got well, excited. And also, 
Why it, force a choice? Why force yeah. a choice? Also, the key component being Sachi getting laid. This is something that I found yeah. really interesting about the fandom for that series in particular. That Toki Demons has a humongous cast, right? And people tend to latch on to one they like more than other. But there's something about Sachi getting laid that everyone can get behind. <laughs> that they're like, he's a nice guy. His power is going to go haywire and sex is going to be amazing for him because of the kind of power that he has, which I won't spoil. <laughs> and like, and you can, and he... He loves he's loves God, so hard and so that. frequently. Oh, wow. yeah. oh, you you haven't thought of that. Oh God! <laughs> okay, even he's brought it up a couple of times where he's like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> As a result, there were people who were like, I don't even care who he ends up with. I just want him to be happy. Because yeah. they're like, because he loves a lot of people, right? Yeah. So as long as we had a three way with him in the middle, and that's the picture. And Leon's answer is, I can't make people happy. Well, he will be <laughs> happy. Like, there has to be 100,000 words of misery, and then at the end, they can be happy. I will spoil this. This is, doesn't tongue count. Sashi does not die in the series. <laughs> up until this point, we said we'll only confirm ISA and Joe survive, but I also say Sashi will not be killed. I think that's just kind of past it. But yeah, you will find happiness the way the rest of them will. It'll be really hard. Yeah. But I'm more happiness convinced. This is hard. I mean, it's yeah. true. This is what separates, I think, Sparkler from your average shoujo, is that I think we acknowledge a little bit more how hard it is to find happiness. Mm. Yeah. So, or at least, you know, in the case of Offbeat, maybe throw some ambiguity in there. So. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, Offbeat's not totally finished yet. We want to well, do that audio drama. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't tease that too much. Like, yeah. Let's it, not it's, hit that button too hard. To I, I know. Team, it's, but, like, there's ways that we may see a little more exploration of that story in the future. Well, and also, so. also just through this couple calendar that we right. could explore it a little bit more i mean that's one of <laughs> yeah. i love it so much yeah, yeah it came out really great Jen guys. too i totally sent it to her she oh, did like, she? Yeah. Yeah. yeah i sent i sent it early to a couple of people and i was like can you give me feedback and the feedback was just somebody slamming the keyboard over and over. <laughs> i think yeah, that might have been posh she was like oh my god like well we got a really great artist so m who goes by mr magnolia on tumblr she's somebody who i'm kind of obsessed with and she does a haro makoto <laughs> from free and awesome. just like right in the feels like oh god and she she was really into yoa peta for a while she did a bunch of things and then she was posting i'm doing commissions or whatever and i was like <laughs> i was like ding 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 yeah ding. i was like so how about more money in publishing ding, ding. well you do a shit ton of things for me because she's like one character waste up no background I'm like how about all the characters interacting tons of them you have four weeks <laughs> that's how we run it Sparkler can you do she what you would do it. oh my god yeah. she, and, and oh. she didn't those weren't even revised very much at all I mean I'd be like oh I kind of want this this and it'd come back and I'm like oh god even if it was something I didn't particularly ask for it was just like yes whatever you did yes just keep doing that <laughs> okay so other exciting things for 2015 yeah to kind of keep us moving yes all right so now we, that we've got about everything we can we can yeah. talk about everything we yeah, like forever. a lot mm -hmm. all right so i'm gonna let lisa and jill now talk tell us what you guys want for 2015 what you're excited about you know what i'm really excited to see more development in comics especially just because our new series are kind of starting to get into the the meat of the story yeah. windrose and gatesmith gatesmith i have no idea what is going to happen but i know that it will be good <laughs> I am excited to read Tokyo Demons book two because I can't read. You haven't read, read it yet? I can't read prose on the screen. I read the first f few chapters on my iPad and I was like, I can't. I need this on paper. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to send it to you. I'm going to look and see if you've been sent things. And if not, I'm going to send it to you tomorrow. I'm sorry if I didn't. That's all right. I will get it eventually. I've been sitting on this cliffhanger for like a year. So... <laughs> It looks awesome. <laughs> book two cliffhangers worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, it was way better than book one. I was doing informal polls, too. People were like, yeah, beginning of book one was hard to get into. I've read a bit of book two, but I'm at a chapter that had a really bad cliffhanger, so. 
Uh, and get the book. I'll be reading it. I'm also excited. Yeah, I was going to say, that's not very specific, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, that's because I can't spoil it because a cliffhanger's yeah. a spoiler. <laughs> that's the thing about serialization, too, is that a bad cliffhanger is a good cliffhanger from oh, my yeah. perspective. So. To a point, there was, there was definitely one month where we had so many incredible cliffhangers that people were starting to get pissed. <laughs> they were like, oh, I can't take it anymore. This is the thing, though. No one needs to take this personally, but our job is to torture you a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Kind of. But like in a good way, if, we if hope. If we don't leave you screaming for more, then we need to be working harder. Yeah. And that, that's probably my goal for comics. Like, I'm really proud of the work that we did this year, but I think I would like to keep trying to sort of up the feels ante yeah and more and, feels yeah that's what you can expect from us in 2015 is more, more feels. feels as many yeah. as we can handle and i'd write for the cliffhanger yeah and i'm excited to see dead endings in yeah, yeah me too like a great book yeah yeah and gala was really great in print too like ellery was saying that when the kick you know because we did the kickstarter and then there was a really big gap between we actually got that paperback out we had some unexpected problems mm-hmm. but she said that like you know a lot of her family pledged and they were getting the book in and she and everybody was pinging her on facebook being like i'm really enjoying this this is a really great book we stand behind our content that stuff mm-hmm. was made to be really engaging and especially mm-hmm. when it was originally serialized so that there had to be those cliffhangers when you sit down and read it in one sitting you kind mm-hmm. of blast through it this one guy was live tweeting Toki Demon's book two yesterday I felt really bad for him because he's like no oh god oh it's getting worse and also that book's long don't do yeah. it in a day like, <laughs> don't do that in a sitting dude yeah <laughs> <Please take> breaks <laughs> Yeah, Dead Endings is, I think, going to have the same thing. It's going to mm-hmm. open up. That, and that's why we want to go more to print. It opens mm-hmm. up a whole new audience of people who really weren't trying digitally, mm-hmm. that they won't read stuff online, especially mm-hmm. fiction, I think. It is very exciting. What else, Lisa, other than Tokyo Demons? There's got to be something else. <laughs> I'm excited for the big change that is coming at a time when this podcast launches. People already know about our big January launch of new sightness and the new, new people it will bring in. Yeah, I mean, you can... Um, and a flood of content. I guess you can see what it is, yeah. <laughs> okay, how everything on the site will be free for everybody that is in our archives. Right. Um, so people can be able to just jump on and read all of things like Tokyo Demons and then the audio and Offbeat and all this greatness. Yeah. And plus, I can get the new shiny front page up. Actually, that will be up when people listen to this too, won't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're ditching the comics clicker. Yeah. Too many we were really happy with when we came up with it. And then when we did our poll, a lot of people really hated it. So it's going away. <laughs> yeah, your, I think your feedback is valuable, kids. Yeah. The, the new comics format, I think, is, is even better. I think it's going to be really nice. Yeah. yeah you we, can, we did a lot of like tweaks to kind of how that's. that's just in out. case you missed it, you can press the arrow keys to go backwards and forwards. Yeah. Yay. It's amazing. I want, comics, I want to. Yeah. yeah, on yeah. the comics. I just want to scream that for everyone. Yeah. Like, you can scroll up and down with up and down. You can go back with left, and you can go forward with right. On your keyboard. On your keyboard. You don't even need your mouse anymore. Good stuff. So, yeah, do that. It's amazing. Yeah, and that's something that we... 2014 was sort of the year of, is our business model going to work? Mm -hmm. And our conclusion was, it sort of works, but not as much as we need it to, which is why we're changing for 2015. We had Mm -hmm. so many people who were helping us try and get the word out, but I think at the end of the day, if I do a Tumblr post and it links to something that's behind a paywall, then, you know, I read Flores reblogs it and it gets 300 people who who like it and who share it and I think all of those people click on that link and then are like wait a minute what what's happening and it Mm -hmm. just turned them away so everything is free 
to read a month after it goes up. Members still get a lot of benefits, so members get things the month early, and they get the member exclusive, and you get the downloads, so... Yeah, um, and VIPs, not only are they getting... They get kind of, like, downloads of each series, right. like, so the all the back issues, downloads. but they also get Cherry Bomb now. That was a change, because Cherry Bomb was another thing that was a big test, and we don't mind selling it a la carte, and as of right now, we still are, but we did notice that once we put it out there and people were buying it, very few people were buying individual stories. Right. They were buying the collection. They wanted all of them. So these yeah. were like the pretty regular readers. So we figured it's better to make it a part of membership. But at the same right. time, we didn't want it to be necessarily readable on the site because it is more adult content. So we put that in for the VIPs, for the hardcore, so they don't mm-hmm. have to buy that stuff. And I'm going to be hitting Cherry Bomb a lot harder this year. So it's probably no secret that Cherry Bomb was kind of my initiative. This <laughs> is not one of those baby, things yeah. where I was like... It was very much with the support of the rest of us. Though. Yeah, this one they didn't. <laughs> this was not something that she had to convince me on. It's so. like, hey guys, let's make porn and sell it for money. I'm like, yeah. okay. It's not like I didn't start a line of that when I was a Tokyo pop. <laughs> yeah, sure, you started I mean, blue, so. I know the value of people, you know, who want to pay to see some people banging each other. Yeah. So there's a good market for that. And there was also a point where we were afraid uh, there were a lot of things I was concerned about with Cherry Bomb in terms of if creators comfortable doing it, how hardcore did we want to go, and what sorts of formats do people what like? What format? Yeah. yeah, there were a lot of things that we didn't know. I'm actually really happy with it. There's almost nothing I would have done differently. Mm-hmm. But we put it. It was sort of a back burner project. We did it as an experiment, and then we only released. You know, we had the the collection came out first, and then since then we've only had two releases. Mm-hmm. And part of that had to do because the creators are so busy, <laughs> yeah. and they need to be far enough in canon that uh, an erotica spinoff makes sense. Mm-hmm. But now that the two main, rather like the the three main pros that are running, especially in early 2015, are Tokyo Demon Skyglass and Dusk and Kalevia, which all have very obvious porn tie-ins. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh man, I gotta tell you that Emily Compton pitched me a cherry bomb story for Kalevia that I am just wild, I'm wild for. I'm so excited for her to do it. It's actually a backstory thing with Demian that I think ties beautifully into the setting and the history. And Interesting. Oh yeah, oh, <laughs> oh it's gonna be so good. <laughs> And also Jen Grunigan opened with the prologue to Skyglass right. was adult and she's been recently blogging little sexy bits that she took out of the prose on her blog because there's such an inv- a complicated sexual backstory to a lot of these people. She has a big cast as well. And of course Tokyo Demons, there's <laughs> constantly little spin-offs about stuff that we took out of the book. And, and also because they're, they're teenagers, so it's they're not really that sexually active. So it has a lot more to do with... <laughs> they're busy trying to not die. Well, yeah, so. that too. <laughs> it's distracting. But it's yeah. also like, it has a lot more to do with their fantasies. Right. and their right. desires and sexual hangups in the past. The Joe story that should be coming out probably around the time that this podcast, give or take a month, comes out. That's actually about Joe's sexual history. Are we ever going to do the Mickey story? The comic one? Yeah. Um, I'm going to try and push that to happen. Yeah, we did a Mickey Mitsuko backstory yeah, in comic I liked form. that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I thought that in the thumbnails for that comic, that was yep. by Spicko. So she did the um, Awake comics for us. A buzz off and hard or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, hard and buzz hard off. Hard yeah. <laughs> She also was... Leanne named those two, No, I, I, think. I definitely contributed something. Oh, yeah, right. I think Lillian I forget which one. It. I forget which one. Yeah. I... Okay, maybe there was a meeting where there was just a lot <laughs> yeah, of puns was, flying like, and there was me meeting. with my hand hit in my hands. Yeah, and then, probably, you know. Sounds about much. right. Yeah. Um, what I want to do, and this is another experiment because I can experiment with Tokyo Means as much as I want. It's my series. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things explode, no one's going to yell at me. We actually want to do a print book of all the Tokyo Demons Cherry Bomb stories into one volume because there's quite a few of them now. And... 
I'd like to have it for TCAF because I can do a print on demand, and I'd like to have the comic for that. Like, okay. I think it might be something that's only in the print version. That'd be fun. I also have a really good idea for a cover that I want Rem to do. <laughs> oh, gosh. And Rem is actually, um, she doesn't do a lot of erotica stuff. She does a lot of, a fair amount of nudity because of her last yeah, comic, Yeah, she does a lot Soulless. of things that are, like, sexy, but not, yeah. like erotica if, that's, yeah. if that makes sense and like so, the, she's one the, of those girls who likes drawing hot girls so yeah and of course <laughs> I don't let her do that <laughs> mostly like take a shirt off that guy oh I guess they're sexy girls whatever I, I know she's gonna be all like scarred up and weird because she turns into bugs <laughs> yeah you can see my straightness push through really <laughs> like I gotta remind myself that some people are attracted to women and also the stuff we do for cherry bomb is not super hard it's it's definitely it's edgy and I would consider it adult but it's not like you know genitalia everywhere and she's really enjoyed doing the cherry mm. bomb and she's done a great job with them yeah. they're packed with emotion they're really interesting angles and in ca- some cases like the picture she did for a once and Never Again, which is Sachi's uh, fantasy about Kato, where he's sort of opening his mouth. That pic, he's, you see that? Oh, God, yeah. She's like, it, that wasn't really what I asked her to draw, even though I sent her the scene, and I was like, oh, my God, this is really good, Rem. Yes, we'll do yeah. that one. She's actually, like, whenever I say, do you, do you have time for a cherry bomb story? She's like, yeah, yeah, let's do another cherry bomb. I want to kind of play with how can we do sort of erotic pinups and stuff. So Yeah, so the interesting thing with going free is that it really requires people to continue to help us get the word out and yeah. then to turn, hopefully, increased traffic numbers into increased member numbers so like yeah. that's and that's partially our challenge in the next year is like I feel like it's clear that we're providing good content we're continuing to do it consistently like I feel like we mm-hmm. have a year and a half of track record to demonstrate that we're professionals and we we know what we're doing and now our job is going to be to convince people to give us money for it I think the memberships are going to I mean obviously you get less with a membership but the people who were regularly subscribing to us I think weren't necessarily so they could get to the back issues every month you know because right. a lot of people blew through those things pretty fast and they were doing it to support us yeah and we're going to be structuring this even though we are giving a still a fair amount to members yeah we're hoping that this will fill in that gap that patreon fills for a lot of independent creators right. that this is the way that you can support the magazine that if you want sparkle to right. continue and we are kind of in a critical six months right now yeah we have kind of a membership goal that we need to reach by by the end of year two which is the summer and that that's what makes 2015 also scary <laughs> right. that we are very we are really excited and we are optimistic with the way things have gone especially yeah. the last couple months especially with like you know the the store sales are a lot better and people are buying these paperbacks and we can put more stuff to print but that membership number is really key to us succeeding as a magazine format that mm-hmm. we want we love the format of sparkle that we can do a mm-hmm. month and we can put all this stuff out and then we need all this bonus stuff we can be seasonal we can do contests mm-hmm. we're just we're trying to mimic that shoujo magazine style really closely from japan but because we're putting out so much content so quickly we really need that that subscriber base to support it yeah, otherwise at the moment like that money goes to the creators like, yeah, pretty much. Aside where the from advances the come very from. occasional fee that kind of goes to one of us for doing something kind of exceptional, none of us are drawing a salary right now. So, <laughs> like, all of that money, those membership dollars, that is 100% going to people like Jen Quick and to Kosen and to Jen Grunigan and to Jess Chavez and, like, all of those people who are creating that content. Oh, so, God. And the idea behind the memberships was if we can get to a point where the memberships pay for the cost of the magazine every month, then everybody starts getting royalties. So, yeah. So, sorry, then everybody starts getting royalties through any additional ancillary, ancillary sales that we're doing. So anytime you buy an ebook, that money is getting kicked directly back to the creators in addition to whatever. Yeah, they get advances and then once so. the... Yeah, because like sales of the completed ebook and the paperback are really important because that's where right. their royalties are kicking off. Like right. That's where we're, we're hoping to also make money that we couldn't make during serialization, that sort right. of thing. But what's beautiful about this is we've had even... Besides the fact that most of us 
are not taking salary and <laughs> only occasionally take freelance <laughs> yeah. work. We've been working <laughs> without pay for a very long time. And some yeah. of us have put our own money into this company. So we're making negative yeah. dollars that I've even had creators who said, I said, oh, I owe you a check for whatever. They're like, no, 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 I don't need the money. Pass it on to the next creator who really needs it. That They're actively people who are turning down their advances because they want the magazine to succeed and they want it to go to the next creator because they yeah. just really want people to get paid for what they're doing. But it's almost like a, it's on a by needs basis. And that's how we pay ourselves salaries or freelancers <laughs> right. when we do. It's who needs money the most this month because we have this money, who's going to take it when we have that money, which is rare. And that's something that we had to restructure a little bit for 2015 is that our support staff has to get paid a little bit more than nothing because <laughs> yeah. Like there's a certain they do a lot of work for us. Yeah, exactly. So for those of us who are, you know, the co-founders, like we have sort of, we're looking at this in more of a long-term, yeah, profitability Uh, kind of way, maybe. We hope, if ever. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. But for the people, you know, who are doing more kind of some of the day-to-day stuff, like we want to be able to kick it back to them because they don't have that more personal financial investment. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like the the other thing about that is, if we get to the point where we're wildly successful with the membership drive, then we get to expand. Yeah. Like I would love to be able from kind of a workload perspective I can't take on a ton more comics but I'd love to be able to pick up another serial or two mm-hmm. and that's not really going to be in the budget until we get mm-hmm. more coming in on the front end so yeah we're mostly yeah. blocked off for the end of year too because we, mm-hmm. we had to shrink the magazine down to five series a month and we started that way but we'd expanded in I think February was the really big issue last year we did we a couple of chapters kind of issues mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but we had to scale all of that back so we're like we just can't afford this many things at once mm-hmm. because because the membership numbers weren't there. Mm-hmm. So and there have been people who t- took us aside and were like, have you thought of the Patreon model? And I'm like, that's what memberships are. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, it's like you're dedicating $5 <laughs> a month so that the magazine won't die. Right. And that you're getting some things early for it or right. something yeah. behind right. a paywall. Right. And so we don't Patreon without it saying Patreon. On and without it. them, yeah, taking, without, a without them taking a cut. Because like, right. and also Patreon is not totally appropriate for a company, I don't think. Right, we didn't, no, that's true. Well, the reason we did VIP subscription was based on people saying, I want to support you, but I can give you more than $5 a month, even though mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want this stuff. So we were like, okay, we'll set up the VIP so you'll get more stuff. It'll be convenient. And those mm-hmm. VIPs are like, eh, I'd say almost maybe a quarter of our subscribers are VIPs mm-hmm. because our subscriber base, as you know, we have the tally up on the site. It's somewhere like 160 people. It's really, we need way more than that. But those people are really, really passionate. A lot of them are VIPs. Mm-hmm. We have people buying the same products over and over. And I was talking to somebody recently and they're like, oh, I know it's tough. People don't want to pay for stuff. People are cheap. And I'm like, that is not not the problem. Yeah. These people are, you guys are spending a lot of money on us and we mm-hmm. really appreciate that. There just aren't enough of us. And one of the big barriers to that was the backlog mm-hmm. not being free. Mm-hmm. And also we have somebody new who's joining us specifically for marketing to help us in that direction because that was obviously something we were working very hard on, but we're already spread pretty thin. And as editors, we're a little bit more on the content mm-hmm. slash social media and, and less on the, the marketing side, on the broader marketing goals rather, I should say. So we took on new staff members. We have new people coming in. We have new investors. We have all this stuff that we're trying to get in 2015 to basically save Sparkle the way that it is now because mm-hmm. we're very comfortable after 2014 that mm-hmm. we can do this. We like the format with a couple tweaks here and there. With, and again, mm-hmm. Lisa fixing up the website and doing great things. The creators being flexible and doing all mm-hmm. of our initiatives while doing their serials when they can arrange it. And Sparkle Distro is expanding a mm-hmm. lot. <laughs> there are all these things that like we put in place in 2014 being like, okay, we'll get rid of the ones that aren't working. And they kind of all worked a little bit. And right. we're kind of compartmentalizing our time and our staff in places where we feel like it's the best use of our time, but we're not really closing anything that we start. The contests have gone down 
a bit because we don't have the time or the funds to really run them right now. And that's also what the membership drive is supposed to replace. Right. That it's not a contest, but it is something that unlocks goals and prizes right, and stuff. Right, right. And we really want to focus on that because that membership drive is really important. Yeah, and we've been laying off of it a couple of, for the last month or two because yeah. we, for one, it was the holidays and we had this other stuff going on. For another thing, we knew that we were going to do this site change. And yeah. we're like, <laughs> it makes a lot more sense to kind of promote this mm -hmm. when we have this new format going on. So you're going to hear a lot more about that over the next few months because yeah. I think we'll have a lot to prove. Right now, the minimum goal we need to hit is a thousand people. Once we hit that, we can make, we can go up to six or seven slots, depending on how many people, mm -hmm. as opposed to just five things running a month. The 2000 limit, uh, rather goal, is what we'd always made as our, this is our sustainability limit. This will make everything run really smoothly. We will have the staff, including extended staff that we need. And then we can go to these video games that we've been working on. Yeah. <laughs> oh on man, the side. I yeah. really want to do that. And as we said, the, the, the video game overlap there, we're going to be doing a, a, a video game podcast pretty soon, um, especially with Jill. I got like Dragon expert. Age Inquisition for Christmas, so I'm going to play oh, that. Oh, all right. I got to get through the other Dragon Ages. Yeah. I need to figure out who I want to like, who I want Inquisitor to be. I haven't decided yet. If you feel strongly about romance, make sure that you're the right race and gender. Because does that limit my hookups? It depends on who you're going for. Some, nope, some. I mean, I'm going to kind of wing it, but that didn't really work out great for me the first time I played through Dragon Age 2. It's like I hooked up with like the weird elf chick, and then I was like, wait a minute. Now she won't leave. What happened? That's not what I expected. <laughs> But yeah, I'm trying to like figure that out without spoiling myself too much. Yeah, getting walkthroughs. <laughs> I mean, you could do the look at the character intro page at the company. Yeah. It's, you know, just see who you like. You can you could play like 10 hours and then see. Window shop. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Fuck that Minotaur. <laughs> hey, he's awesome. Oh, Wait, really? Man. Yeah, Jill totally fucked. Iron Bull? Yeah, he's amazing. And it's Freddie Prince Jr., for God's sakes. It's very amusing. Speaking Yeah, I've seen a lot of centaurs. Yeah. Yeah, on... No, it's not, he's not a centaur. He just has... Oh, all right. Okay. <laughs> Jill is very quiet. Okay, we're not talking about actual bestiality in here. You sound kind of like you bring your boyfriend to Christmas and he goes to the bathroom and you're like, it's just horns, all right? It's not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> He just has horns, okay? Leanne, you and I both know the games we play can get a lot weirder than that, so I probably would say that. What? But we're getting off the question. The horns. Yeah, they're very um they're very broad. Wow. You know what they say about broad. Anyways, they're minotaurs. They're not. They scream. They scream and run deeper into the labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna let Lisa and Jill close up because we've gone way something over here on this side. All right, thanks for listening, everybody, and thanks for a great 2014. I remember doing the surveys a few months ago, and even from TCAF onwards, I mean, that TCAF felt kind of like last year at TCAF was when we kind of launched and, you know, even a pre-launch. And then this year was kind of when we had our first products to really sell. The support has been really amazing. Feedback has always been amazing and really helpful. And I think we've done a lot to improve the magazine with that. Lisa, any parting words? I don't have anything profound to say, no. I just hope people keep, like, give every series a chance because that's all it needs. You'll get sucked in and you'll be like me, just like mm -hmm. staring at the mailbox waiting for the next part to show up. Or your, or your really computer. Sorry. Or your yes. computer screen. Okay, we're going to put you on the top of the list of people who get paperback. I didn't realize you were you were so into the paperback specifically, so I'm really I'm a, sorry. I'm a very very paper hoardy collecty person <laughs> where I do like all my work digitally but I myself want everything 
on a piece of paper. Physically. Yes. <laughs> uh, can you talk, sorry, very briefly before we close up, you're part of the Valkyries now, aren't you? Yes. Okay, I, can you talk about that? I guess. A big change I made in the summer was I left my full-time job as a pre-press graphic designer and worked full-time at a comic book store, uh, specifically Strange Adventures in downtown Halifax, Nova Scotia, Canada. Woo! Yay! Uh, yay! Which was my home away from home for over 10 years. They all know me very well. I buy a lot now, even more, somehow. <laughs> Uh, and it has been really great. Like, like I get to stretch this part of my brain that I don't normally. Talking to a whole bunch of different people and selling stuff in a different way. Like, not through a computer screen, but just break to someone's face and in their hand. And um, it's just been really fantastic. And it's a lot of neat stuff that I can kind of bring to Sparkler and Chromatic as well, which has been fun. And the Valkyries are a, a collective, right? Like, sort of a connected... Yes, the Valkyries is a group uh, started by Kate Leth, who work, worked... She just had her last shift on Christmas Eve. We miss her. Adventures, uh, and she started this group for women who work in comic book stores. Um, one is a way for everyone to kind of be supportive to each other, share favorite stories, and also horror stories of working in the stores. Um, but also just kind of to put a big sign up to the world that, you know, we are not this rare unicorn. We are out there. Not only are women out there creating comics and reading comics and buying comics, we are also selling you your comics and informing you about comics and having way more knowledge about comics than some human being should ever contain in their head. <laughs> so it's been really neat, you know, just seeing all this enthusiasm, just how much help and support there is in this network. Uh, so it's been really, really great. And it's, it's international, isn't it? It's, it's at least America and Canada. Oh, yeah. It's all around the world. There's people there from countries all over the place. You guys have like a message board or something, right? Yeah. See, I'm like so it's, sad. It's, a, it's a private group. but I'm so sad I found out of this after I quit the comic store. So. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure when Kate started it, but she was yeah. talking about 2014 because Kate is really integral to a lot of this women in comics stuff. She's a very high-profile comic writer. Mm -hmm. um, she was saying that the Valkyries has gone up to 350 people in like two years or mm -hmm. something. And we talk about women being more organized this year. That's a big part of that. Mm -hmm. I think there's been this trend in one of the ways that not just that people will take us more seriously because like there's no reason that people aren't taking us more seriously than they are, but at the very least it defend each other like you mm -hmm. said like mm -hmm. safe spaces and stuff that women are really banding together and doing stuff like this and the Valkyries is a great example of that of literally women who work in comic stores forming a private group online and supporting <laughs> each other and I love following mm -hmm. them on Twitter it's really great what's the Twitter handle I don't remember what it is but we follow them like the Sparkler Twitter does but you can look them up they've had really great stuff to say and like we've met them and also some of our extended staff is either in Valkyries or like oh my roommates in the Valkyries or whatever and it's just mm -hmm. it's more of this collective of like women geeks helping each other and I'm so glad that like Becca said, she used to work in a comic store and had to leave before the Valkyries existed. That now Lisa is there as our, our representative in the Valkyries. And that's one of the great things we have about our extended staff that we can be in a lot of different communities and it all comes back to Sparkler. Because we're trying to make Sparkler a community. It's not it, just a yeah. business. It's, but every single one of our staff members is a big nerd in some special way <laughs> unique to that person. <laughs> no, and like also, if any, I was going to say, if anyone listening wants to like join the Valkyries or read more about them, they can just go to mm -hmm. bewarethevalkyries.com and there's a handy little want to join us form that they can use. Did you design that website too? Yes. I, I, I <laughs> snuck awesome. into the Valkyries before I was actually a Valkyrie. I like I like to <laughs> stealth mode in many companies and websites people don't know about that I'm in. That's what I do. I, I never pronounced her name right. Raina Talmeyer, the lady who wrote Sisters. How do you pronounce her name? Talmeyer. 
Talma Gourmet. Nobody knows. I don't Did, think I've ever heard it said out loud. Yeah, it's yeah. all just in print. I feel bad, but, um, you know. You just... designed her website, too, didn't you? No, I didn't design her website, but I did do just some recent upkeep on it. Just tidied up some stuff. Because <laughs> you worked on her website. And the same thing with, like, Faith Aaron Hicks. And if there's a, an excellent woman in comics and she has a nice webpage, there's a decent chance Lisa had something to do with it. Um, I would not go that far. But I don't some, know. There are but, a lot of people where I'm like... But someday, someday I will be the one where you perhaps can say that. Working in the shadows. Yeah, see, Lisa's the sneakiest. Like, yeah. Lynn's kind of sneaky, but she's too loud to be really sneaky. Are you kidding? I'm so loud. <laughs> what about Leanne is sneaky at well, all? I'm trying she's to just, like, it. underhanded. She... <laughs> oh, okay, that kind of sneaky. Yeah, I, I, have I, to, I have to stay sneaky. Lisa's, like, ninja in the night yeah, sleeps. Yeah. That's because I'm, I'm too many extremes. Professionality, and then I just don't know when to shut up, and I get myself in trouble because I say too much. What were you saying, Lisa? I said I'm, I'm extremes. I have to be, like, sneaking in the shadows because once I get going, I just don't shut up about anything. That's why when, you know, we were, I was listening and talking about manga and people who read comics and why people don't read manga. And I'm like, oh, my God, I have so many feelings on this. I just can't say anything. I'll just because I'll talk for like six hours. People don't have that much kind of time. You know, I think maybe, I'm curious. Yeah, I feel yeah, like maybe Lisa? we should do another podcast of yeah. just that. Yeah, where there's mm-hmm. there's less of us and just Lisa. Yeah. Maybe that'll be the next one. Yeah. That's, that's another sort of goal for 2015 is to do more podcasts and Can, people seem yeah. to be enjoying them. Pair so. Lisa up with mm-hmm. like Jill and Lillian who are a little bit quieter. Well, you're, you can talk a lot, but Jill. Just I'll Jill and... Yeah. 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 Lock Leanne in the closet. Yeah. <laughs> I only talk about games. Yeah, you're going to be the game podcast. That's going to be fun. Yeah, because we, in the same way that 2015 is going to have the membership as a way to support the magazine and the store as a way to buy products and, of course, support the magazine as well. And support um, the creators. Yeah, and support the creators and also it just gets you stuff. You know, you want that yeah, stuff. stuff. We're trying, in the same way that the back issues being free is part of our let's reach out with more freebie content that can go further and therefore bring people back to the site to buy these other things and also just increase the community just in general because, again, we want a really good community. We want people who like to be part of this oh let's support women in comics let's do interesting things let's all support creativity and everyone the podcast is probably going to become a more regular free feature that we did because we used to do it as a member exclusive and that was nice but we would sort of take off the paywall after a while and we were like eh, you know i feel like this should be most pay most podcasts are free we're going to do our best to keep up with it it's obviously a time commitment but less so than other things and then we're going to save the podcast with the creators as member exclusives because those are a little <laughs> more structured we can bundle them up also with They're a little more special <laughs> yeah yeah but rather than us assholes talking. Yeah. yeah, clearly we don't have any trouble talking forever, so, you know. I'm really surprised that people enjoy hearing us angrily ramble about this shit, but, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Man. I do I think know. that... We do it ourselves all the time, because yeah. before, yeah, you you know, because we're actually seeing Lillian in person, which we don't get to do very often, so right. Lan and I and Lillian over dinner, totally just comics industry bullshit. And my family was like... What are they talking about? Yeah. What is well, those are like those are the best podcasts. The Fly on the Wall podcast, I think, are the best. Like they're the ones I like listening to. Like I like our podcast. I like like things like the Nerdist when they just interview people, and it's like you're just feel like you're just in the room listening to people talk about anything. I just love those podcasts the most. Where I'm like just getting to see the inside of these people's brains. Like everyone is so smart, and everybody knows so many things and so many people, and I just like to get a little glance into that sometimes. It's interesting to me. All right. Well, now we're at one hour and I'm gonna And that was down. me keeping my trap shut too. Oh god. <laughs> Sorry. We're the worst. Yeah. It's been good well, guys. Yeah, it's been good. It's gonna be a good year. <laughs> Woo! Whoa. Alright, so yay, twenty fourteen had some issues, but we got a lot of shit done. We got and twenty fifteen is gonna be even yeah. better. 
especially second half of 2014. I'm going into 2015 really happy. And not yeah. because it's like, fuck 2014, but we learned a lot. Let's do 2015. It's going to be yeah. good for everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to try to make it better for a lot of you people out there. We're trying to and bring you into know. the fold. I mean, I think yeah. that, like, I keep saying that, that, like, you know, your feedback drove some of the site changes that we're making. We have these forums. We have social media. We're very much here we, to yeah, serve hired, what you guys are interested in. We hired so. people off of open submissions. We took on right. staff members who are members of fandom. Like, right. don't be shy. Like, right. I know the form is a little awkward, and we're going to try and make it. Now you don't have to have a membership to be part of it, right. which is going to help. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it was a free membership, I think it was annoying. We're going to try and be in there more and encourage more people to be in there because mm-hmm. it's easier to moderate. We want that community, so we're going to be reaching out to you guys. And do not ever be shy, even on Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, any of those things. Don't be shy. Don't be shy.